You're listening to a sponsored episode of Surprised by Grief from CT Creative Studio and Inheritance of Hope. To learn more about CT Creative Studio, visit ChristianityTodayAds.com slash studio. How long will you turn your face away? How long Hi, my name is Clarissa Mall. I am the wife and widow of former CT editor Rob Mall. Rob fell to his death in 2019 in Mount Rainier National Park. My name is Daniel Harrell, and my wife uh, died of pancreas cancer on Easter Sunday, uh, 2019. This is Surprised by Grief, and we're talking uh, today about a special organization, Inheritance of Hope. It's an organization that's uh, devoted to caring for families with terminally ill parents, and an important part of their work, really a signature part of their work, is the provision of a, a retreat where families can attend and in the context of that retreat, put together legacy videos and photos and writings so that when the sad day comes and the parent is no longer with us, children and these families will be able to remember with wonderful stories and pictures and, and provisions in ways that are just incomparable. Unfortunately uh, for us, we were uh, scheduled to attend a retreat at uh, the Biltmore House in North Carolina. We're deeply looking forward to that. I'm from North Carolina and have family there in the the Blue Ridge Mountains, but Dawn uh, didn't make it in time. So she wasn't unable to attend that legacy retreat, but Inheritance of Hope reached out nonetheless. And it turns out we weren't the only families whose mom had died too soon and they made it possible for my daughter and I to, to go to Disney World and to spend a, a wonderful weekend with other families who had, had lost a parent to cancer or to other illness and accidents. And we got together with those families and, and those kids, and it was an amazing time. But you know, as important, if not more important, was the way in which this community of people came around us, loved on us, uh, really helped us uh, think through our our life as it was now going to be. And so we're grateful for Inheritance of Hope and glad uh, today to welcome Brian and Andre Hansen, who have enjoyed the ministry, the important work that Inheritance of Hope does. Uh, welcome, Hansons. I'm just going to turn it over to you and let you uh, share your story with us. Well, my name is Andrea Hansen, and I have been diagnosed with colon cancer in the spring of 2019, I was diagnosed with stage three, but less than a year later, it had advanced to stage four. And that's when we were introduced also to Inheritance of Hope. And due to the COVID pandemic, we weren't able to do an in-person retreat, but we did what they call an e-retreat, all virtually over Zoom. And just like you mentioned, that weekend was packed full of great exercises to help us communicate as a family. We had fun together as a family. It afforded me the opportunity to make some legacy recordings and videos and really just helped us, I think, begin to think about how we wanted the rest of my time here to be. And so in the midst of the fun that we had and the community that we built with other families in our same situation, it also, I think, gave us a little bit of a launching pad 
to consider how we want to live. My name is Brian Hansen, and I think as you get done with kind of the shock and awe of a diagnosis like that, having an organization like Inheritance of Hope ground you and get you on a path with your family on trying to be intentional with what you do, be intentional with your time, be intentional with the message that you give to your kids and your family around you, I think has proven for at least Andre and I to be a huge help, even though we didn't have the in-person retreat that Daniel talked about. We have both built close friends in a it's a unique experience to be with people who are walking your walk and who can relate to what you're going through on a deep personal level. And that bond that you create with those folks is immediate and it's deep, it's personal. I had the privilege just last night of hosting the caregiver coffee hour for IOH and you know, talking to a dozen folks and going through a conversation with them. You know, there's just people that have a need, whether it's the caregivers or the people who are living with the disease. Every one of us have has your own needs and connections and desires to be with people that can understand and talk about the things that you're going through. And I think Inheritance of Hope really gives you that outlet. So I think, like Andre said, we're very grateful that we've had the opportunity to meet these people. I think they've energized our lives. I think they've helped us see sparks of joy through this journey and looking for things that really put a smile on your face, even though you're dealing with some really lousy things, right? And in the conversations that we've had with our children, I think is a catalyst of what IOH provides you. I, I don't think we would have been able to have those discussions with our kids if it weren't for the encouragement of that organization telling you that this, this could be good. Or even talking to your peers that are in this journey and, and having those conversations about things like death and funerals and legacy videos like Daniel talked about and just all those intentional things that we can have that walk with our kids where they're part of it and they're present during this. I think that's been a gift. So Inheritance of Hope focuses on care for young families. How old were your children when Andre received your diagnosis? My kids were 14 and 16 when I was diagnosed. So maybe older than most, but still kids, mm -hmm. still kids who aren't equipped to deal with heavy news like that, I think, and who still need to be kids, who still have fun they need to have and lives that they need to live. And we really feel like we've tried to keep things as quote unquote normal as possible for them because this is my story and I try to tell them it's a chapter in their story. They have a lot of life left to live and adventures to have and things to learn. And this is just part of their story. And, and one thing to add to that, I feel with your children particularly, is you're going through this, you're really guarded about the kid's future because these are those classic opportunities where good kids can make bad choices. You know, we have teenagers, but it is a watermark moment in their life to see how they kind of rise up from this. And, and our job, I think, is really to try to help them navigate it and avoid those kind of classic traps and make sure that they can continue to prosper even though we're going through all this. We talk about legacies and what legacies we would want to leave. And, you know, the biggest legacy 
I could leave to my husband or my kids is that they would be followers of Jesus, that they would have that relationship, that they would nurture it and be part of a active church community and, and really thrive. But I can't make that choice for any one of them. That is their choice. So when we think about a legacy to leave, I can try to impart that. I can try to influence that. I can talk about that with my family, but it's ultimately up to them to choose. I'd love to touch on something that you mentioned about our teenagers, particularly being uh, directed in the midst of trauma and loss. You know, Daniel's daughter was 11 when his wife Dawn died, and I have four children, and two of them were teenagers, young teenagers when my husband died. And I know that impulse of our children to want to be normal in the midst of all of the chaos of loss and grief and trying to process all of that. And I wonder how has Inheritance of Hope focused as a place of being normal for your family? Because it's not normal, right? In in their school environments or church environments, they're not quote unquote normal anywhere now, except for in this community of Inheritance of Hope. How did they respond to that, to your invitation to participate in it? And what has that meant for them as far as normalizing their experience? To speak a little bit to Inheritance of Hope, I do think it would be different if you went on an in-person retreat, but they have kind of once a week Zoom meetings where they try to have teens together grouped by age. And um, I think that's a chance for kids to just hang out and have fun, but you're with people that understand the heaviness of also what's going on around you. And the other, I think, really lovely thing that Inheritance of Hope does is that they have older kids help with that teen group. And some of those older kids have lost their parent. And so it's an encouragement to me as a parent to see them living and thriving and trying to help others along the way, including that, you know, the founders kids are still very active in the organization. And so as a parent who worries endlessly about what's going to happen to my kids after I'm gone. That was a really big encouragement to me. Yeah. And I took Josh out to uh, university of North Carolina for a college tour. Um, but we got to meet uh, Derek Milligan's daughter and she, you Ashley. Know, yeah, Ashley took Josh and went on to breakfast and, you know, talked him through the college experience. She was just getting ready to graduate. And I just sat at the table listening to these kids talk, right? The graduate and the incoming freshman. And I just had this overwhelming sense of she's just showing him you're going to be okay, right? Through that experience and just and knowing that here's somebody that's gone through this and they're coming out the other side, happy, adjusted, doing well in school. And I think that's, that's really huge to witness. Yeah, I remember... Um going on the retreat and the thing I wanted more than anything was to, you know, somehow normalize this unnormal thing for my, my kid. And she loved Disney, but she really didn't like the attention and the the small group part at the time. Her famous quote is dad feelings are to be felt, not talked about. Um, so <laughs> she needs know. to get together with our son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. So, I mean, there was some, some definite kind of worry about that, but I think, you know, Clarissa and I've talked about this a lot and, I know you've experienced this too. I mean, you know, kids got to do grief the way they got to do grief. And, right. and I think that, 
your your comment earlier about intentionality and you know really wanting to address what's true and what's real and what it has happened with a, a sense of honesty and purpose. It can be scary and worrisome, but you're so right. We got to do it. I'd I'd be curious to to hear how intentionality has worked for you, like how you sort of went from not wanting to talk to saying, I have to talk, I have to engage, not only with your kids, but with each other and my goodness, with yourself. I think the intentionality through this is almost a little surreal, Daniel, because it literally is talking about things that you wouldn't talk about if you're a normal family. Although maybe you should as a normal family. Well, a good point, right? Yeah, yeah, maybe, that, yeah, yeah. maybe that's yeah. a good thing. But we've sat down with our kids and literally had conversations about, do you want to have a burial plot for mom? Do you want to be mom to be cremated or not? I mean, we've had conversations with them about wills and trusts. I mean, these are teenagers. And in a week ago, this is a real story, but a week ago after we had an appointment with Andrea's oncology folks, and it was kind of clear that we're coming into the last chapter. And as we were processing this, and I'm thinking about the conversation I'm going to have with my kids, I sat down, we have an old dog in the house, 13 and a half year old. And I asked him a question. I said, hey, if, if the dog gets sick, would you want to be there as the dog passed away? And to your comment on intentionality, Daniel, that was me giving them an analogy that they could deal with maybe in a softer way to understand you know, how that would be when it might be their mom, right? And, and to be able to start that conversation to bring that you know, forward. And then you know, we had that talk and then a week or so later, we had the bigger talk and we were able to kind of go through that same conversation. It's just planting that seed and saying, how do you want this to be? And, and like you sit back from these conversations and you just go, I can't believe we just talked about that, right? Like adults in a room, like a perfectly normal conversation with all the emotion and the baggage that goes along with it. But you kind of have to. And I think what we've learned with our kids, you know, you have a choice. I mean, you can talk about this stuff or you cannot. And I have kind of said from the beginning, I want to live well for as long as I can. And I think part of living well is trying to help my kids have healthy ways of processing and coping and working through all this stuff. And so I just decided that I think it's more healthy to talk about this stuff than put it away and hope for the best. I think one of the things we've also learned about our kids is that when you do drop these heavy discussions on them, they don't have a lot to say at the time. But if you give them a few weeks and then maybe bring it up again and say, hey, have you had any more thoughts? What do you think? You know, in kind of a quiet time of non-conflict, then I think you've given them a chance to kind of ruminate on things a little bit, figure out if they do have any strong feelings about things. And I think it's important for them to have input or at least to share their thoughts if they have any to be part of the process. And we've talked about anticipatory grief. And I think you do, I'm not one of those people that says, you know, cancer's been this big blessing and this big gift. It is not. I would give it away in a moment, but it has given us the gift of time. And we've talked about, you know, trying to be intentional 
and this concept of anticipatory grief where you're holding on and letting go at the same time where you're, you know, I look at it as I'm trying to enjoy everything I get to be here for without lamenting what I might possibly miss. If I think too far ahead about what I won't get to see, that becomes problematic for me sort of mentally. So trying to enjoy what I'm here for, to kind of hang on to those things, but also realize, you know, there's going to be some letting go. And a really nice sort of natural example of that, for instance, is our son graduating from high school and moving away to college. That's a normal holding on and letting go time of life. And so I kind of view most things that way or lots of things, whether it's, you know, getting to drive with my daughter who's got her permit or um, seeing, you know, my son graduate from high school or even sweet things with Brian, like sitting and watching a program and laughing together, or you find this balance, I think, between enjoyment and, you know, mourning what won't be. I appreciate your honesty. I think, and I'm sure Daniel would agree, there are moments where we're grieving people are held up as sort of mythic creatures that we are, you know, oh, you're such a warrior or you're so brave. And it feels like an attempt to sugarcoat this and maybe make it shiny and happy when it's really just hard and a slog, whether you are anticipating this for two or nine years, or it comes in a moment, you're not a warrior, you're just a person. And I appreciate that honesty. And, you know, I think to some people who hear that, they may see it as resignation, (laughs) like, oh, you're just resigned. You're not fighting hard enough or something like that. But for believers, I feel like there's a, a special kind of acceptance that comes in reckoning with our mortality and, and clinging to hope. And, you know, Brian, you mentioned the caregivers group that you're a part of. Um, And I'm curious to know what dimensions of support have you received from Inheritance of Hope? And how has your faith given you hope in not in a shiny, happy kind of warrior way, but in a real deep and abiding kind of way as you walk together? Well, Inheritance of Hope, through both the e-retreat and the things that they offer to you kind of on an ongoing basis, that have really been actually very thought-provoking and very edifying. They have these Hope at Home groups that we've talked about participating in. Brian has done the caregiver group, and I've been part of a diagnosed parent group. They have sessions on parenting while you're ill and how to try to navigate that. I've done sessions on the anticipatory grief. They also offer resources for simple things like, you know, do you have a will? Here are things to consider. If you are planning your funeral, here are things to consider. I mean, very kind of practical things as well. We attended a kind of a reunion e-retreat last fall also, and they had so many great sessions offered there as well, including kids of parents who had passed away speaking about the legacies that their parents had left them, which 
for me, left a lot of insight about how I want to do things for my kids. Yeah, it's just been really helpful in that regard. Some very practical things and some very thought-provoking things. Yeah, and I think the support structure that Inherit's Folk provides, is it's uniquely tailored to the people in their particular place in the family, right? So as Andre said, having a group of other people who are the diagnosed parents, they relate differently than the caregivers who relate differently than the kids. And that's something I think, Clarissa, that you mentioned, the people externally to your friends and family and, and that kind of casual support structure just generally can't get to that level, right? I think that's the most important thing I, I find with that community of people. And kind of goes back to Clarissa's question on kind of where you're at in faith and some of the things you do is a choice there. If Andre and I were to sit here and compare and contrast ourselves and our level of faith, if I could do that, she's a very mature Christian. I'm probably a little bit more of a teenage Christian and kind of where I am. And her choice to live the way she's living right now in this process and being present, maintaining normalcy, experiencing these things with the family. If I contrast that, and we've had this conversation, to my choice, I'd be running around crossing off the bucket list stuff, right? It'd be all the things that I, I missed out on in life. And I think that's almost a, a response to your faith and that she sees the opportunity here is to focus back towards the family and demonstrate what it means to her to go through this process of, of dying. And I think that speaks a lot to how faith can kind of drive this stage of life. And I think it really, really speaks to what's important in life. And I think watching this from my perspective, it changes that outlook. It makes you realize that, yeah, some of these things that you think are important really, frankly, aren't. And the ones that, that are, maybe you're not given and investing enough time into that. I think, you know, what Clarissa has said once or twice, you know, as a Christian, you have a hope. And that hope ranges from, you know, the hope that the chemotherapy will work and you'll have more time to, you know, the ultimate hope, which is I know where I'm headed. I have said, you know, to my family multiple times, I'm not really afraid of dying. I'm sad for what I will miss. And so for that reason, I would like to hang around as long as possible. But I do think it gives you a certain amount of peace of mind and just the ability to breathe deeply because I have that assurance. And so, you know, there's still things I'd love to do. There were trips I wanted to take with my kids and things I wanted to see with them in the world that may or may not happen. But I have just a lot of peace of mind that we're just going to try to finish well, yeah. whatever that looks like. I was thinking about how the, the irony of our faith as Christians is that its primary symbol is a symbol of death, you know, the cross. And it invites us into this recognition of our mortality. You know, all people are, are like grass. Let the day's troubles be sufficient for the day. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. All of this is emphasis on life now, but ultimately on the ultimate life that is ours in Christ. And I think about 
you, Clarissa, and and how for Rob, I mean, the incredible irony that he would write a book, you know, The Art of Dying, that you guys would have these conversations so early. And, and while this wasn't the intent, no way Rob could have known. But on the other hand, he did know. We all know that this life is not all there is. And so this constant beckoning to face what is true about our, our life in this world without fear, but with hope is something we we must all heed and and embrace. And to do so, I think, does allow for a kind of ironic joy that only Jesus can bring. Well, and this is the gift. This is the inheritance, the legacy that we leave to our children then, right? That we teach them when they are young, not to chase after the bucket list and not to pursue the things that hold so little value, not just uh, in eternal sense, but even in the here and now, even through the hard moments of conversation with our children about death and dying, you know, things that the world would say a kid can't handle, you know, it's just going to weigh them down. We're actually opening them up to a life that is truly fulfilling because they know early on what matters. And I think, boy, these conversations are so valuable for our children to have because someday death will cross their path again and they will be so wise and they will have deep compassion for others that's born of their own suffering. And I don't think that's just a hope. I mean, I I think that can be a reality for our kids as we offer them up to Jesus and acknowledge it that we're really just their caretakers, right? The inheritance of hope is us as a conduit of what God is doing for them and in them. There's a gentleman that I, I play ice hockey with who's a, a fireman here in town and was recently diagnosed with esophageal cancer. And he came back and was skating with us. This was just a few weeks back. And he happened to come off the ice that day. His son was playing hockey with him. And his first time that they had been on the ice together in a while. And, and I saw him, they kind of embraced, you know, give him a hug right at the end of the game. And as he kind of walked up, I said, hey, Chuck, come here. I want to talk to you for a minute. Because he knew about Andre and knew about our family's situation. And I looked at him and I just said, I've heard everything, right, from everybody. People have shared all this wisdom. I said, the only thing I want to tell you is just look for the joy. Just like that moment you had with your son. Seek that out. And you're going to find a lot of that in this process. As, as terrible as this is there's a lot of joy that's going to come out of this process and you just have to go out and seek that out. That's so good. Thank you so much for sharing all of that for your own vulnerability and faith and, and hope. I mean, even as I continue my own journey, you know, everything you've said is confirms and gives me some more hope too. So thank you. You know, one of the things I appreciated about inheritance of hope is that, as a, a Christian ministry, they're tapping into the power that I'm seeking to tap into myself as as I walk through grief and life amidst suffering. And I was just curious, like the fact that they are a Christian ministry, how does that connect to your own faith? And how has that shored up your faith in these days? The fact that Inheritance of Hope is a faith-based ministry just kind of gave a boost to the ways that I've benefited from them, whether it is having a prayer at the end of a Zoom call for diagnosed patients or having the encouragement at the retreats of the speakers that they bring in or even just knowing that 
if I go to use any of their resources, that it's going to be grounded in the same faith that I am living my life with and facing my diagnosis with. That's been an encouragement to me. From my point of view, Daniel, I think the face centricity of the Inheritance Hope experience is one that really kind of keeps you focused on what's really important for you, for your family, for your spouse, you know, helps you to distill some of the noise in life that you go through here and really make sure that you're prioritizing the things that will leave a long-term legacy for your kids, you know, and that is truly foundation in the Christian faith and making sure that that your kids and your family are, are being encouraged that way uh, and supported in that way. And I think that for me has been very helpful because it provides just a clarity of focus. Well, Brian and Andrea, it's been such a pleasure to have you uh, in our discussion today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. It's a pleasure sharing what we've been through and what we're going through and, and really appreciate everything that Inheritance of Hope has done for our family. Jesus, when you're going to wake up, when you're going to wake up, Calm this agency. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the show, we'd love it if you could subscribe, rate it, and leave us a review in iTunes. If you have feedback for us, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcasts at christianitytoday.com. Surprised by Grief is a production of Christianity Today. It's produced by Mike Cosper. It was written by Daniel Harrell and Clarissa Mall. It's edited and mixed by Mark Owens. Our music is by The Porter's Gate. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. So Jesus, when you're gonna wake up, when you're gonna wake up and calm this raging sea, Jesus, when you gonna wake up? When you gonna wake up? How can you sleep when we're in need? Just one word from the Maker, and all the ways will be made still. Just one touch from the One word from the maker And all the ways will be made still Just one touch from the healer And all will be made well So Jesus, when you gonna wake up When you gonna i
want you right.